Hi, my name is Duncan. We are the Fantasy Football Fanatics. I'm joined by Matt in London and Andy in Santa Cruz this week on the beach, which is quite impressive um, in comparison to a very cold Manchester where I, where I am. Um, we're recording about an hour or so after the biggest game of the weekend and the best game of the weekend, Cardiff-Burnley. Um, so, Andy, apart from that game, what was your football highlight of the week? Well, unfortunately, I didn't have the pleasure of watching the uh, the Burnley v Cardiff game. So my highlight is pretty hard to look past the uh, the Liverpool against Chelsea game, which was a real highlight with an absolute cracker of a goal to win it. Um, for those who didn't see it, it was uh, Daniel Sturridge towards the end of the game, isn't the 86th minute or something, um, got the ball just with absolutely nothing ahead of him at all in the middle of nowhere. Um, he looked up and saw about maybe an inch of space in between uh, Kepa's hand and the crossbar and somehow managed to sort of swaz the ball up right into the corner, dipping and swerving down. Um, one of the best goals I've seen for a very, very long time. Um, and that pulled it back to a one-all draw. So uh, obviously an important goal as well. So that's that's my football highlight for the week. I, I love the way with that goal. I love goals where they're curving the, the, the way you wouldn't expect them to curve so he's a left-footed player on the left hand side of the box outside the box there and he curls it kind of away to the right into the right hand top corner normally you'd expect that to curl in but I just love love it when players go the other way around yeah all the more impressive and what I love about it is that he it somehow in in a situation where he's 30 plus yards out from goal it was the right decision to shoot because there was nothing on ahead of him as well. So uh, I like that. I like it when the, the right thing is to do something outrageous like that as well. And one of his first touches, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah he's only been on the pitch for a couple of minutes, hasn't he? Yeah, that was, a, that was a good one. Matt, I'm guessing your highlight was in the Everton match. Am I right? Um, yeah, well, I mean, that was a good goal, I guess, the Sturridge one. Um, I like the ad. That's that was very good. Um, <laughs> Sorry, what was, that? The, what was that? I like the adverb swaz to swaz uh, a shot. It was very good. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think it, it it ranked highly on the weekend goals. But the uh, leaping like a salmon, Chenk Tossen uh, to score the vital second out of three goals uh, against Fulham was probably uh, for me felt like the most important goal of the weekend for me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Before Andy comes back at you on this. Um, Tosin is your boy. You have staked your reputation on this man. <laughs> my gran could have scored that. He was, <laughs> he was standing next to an open goal and it basically hit him on the It's the, the art of a at the right time. Just being in the right place at the it's, right it's, time. It's... Andy? Well, you know what? I actually really enjoyed this because uh, obviously Matt and I had, uh, we, we stated our disagreement on Jake Tosin in the first part of the season and I um, with a, a colleague of mine, put my money where my mouth was, and I stated that um, Jenk Tossin was rubbish and therefore he would score fewer goals than Gilfie Sigurdsson this season. Um, and in the same match where Jenk Tossin gets off the mark, Sigurdsson, even though he missed a penalty, managed to get two goals. So this, <laughs> somehow that's managed to work out well for me in the, uh, in the broader context of my bet. So that was actually a highlight for me too. But I, I think you mentioned that Nias was going to be a better player for Everton this season as part uh, of that. I do remember that too. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. I did say that Nias would be good value at four point five million for a striker. So I, there's, there's still time for that one to play out. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, okay, my my football highlight of the week. 
I think you have both taken my number one and number two. So I'll go with my number three. It was, um, I don't know if you've seen Match of the Day this week, but Martin Keown doing analysis on Unai Emery's heat map <laughs> as a manager. Oh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> just look at this patch on the side of the pitch that's just red. He's just constantly moving from side to side. Um, yeah, that was my highlight. A little bit of fun. Martin Keown as well, ex-Arsenal. Um, so that was a big highlight for me. He's he's a he's good fun to watch on the t- touchline, Emery. He's a lot of gesticulating, a lot of kind of encouraging and stuff like that. I think you noticed a microaggression from him, Andy, a few weeks ago. So he's definitely one to watch on the touchline. Um, should we go on to our game week's review um, this week? So I think top of the pile is Matt, if I'm not wrong. Matt, how was your game week? Um, yeah, it was pretty solid. Um, so I bought in Kieran Trippier um, to, uh, to replace Be- uh, Benjamin Mendy and that, that came off of 11 points. So that was very satisfying, although I found that quite a few other people had uh, bought in Trippier as well, which was slightly less satisfying, I guess. Um, Doherty returned 12 points, which was very good. Uh, Aguero wasn't a bad captain pick. Um, and then Hazard got 10 points. So all in all, a pretty solid week. Um, but I think a lot of the players that did score points are players that are quite highly owned. So um, we'll see how that does the overall rankings. But but yeah, so far so good. Any lowlights? Um, I've, I've still got Ryan in my team at the moment, and he's he's one I keep wanting to get out as goalkeeper. Um, he got three points this week, which I guess is a better score than his previous weeks. But um, I think if you don't have someone like Patricio at the moment, then you're probably losing out each week um so he's definitely one nice setting to forget goalkeeper uh, is always a good asset in fantasy football and um i don't feel i've got one just yet his fixtures are so good from here on until game week 16 all green a sea of green green but it's with a brighton defense that doesn't look very good unfortunately yeah okay i think the big difference i think why you've come up this week and why you you're going to do quite well Green Arrow-wise, is because you have both Doherty and Trippier. I know a lot of people have one or the other, but having both of them, I think that's a big factor this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, that It's the Trippier gamble, because uh, there's always that rotation risk, uh, has certainly come off so far, and he's got a good fixture ahead with Cardiff as well. So um, that's looking like a good good uh, transfer now. And Doherty seems like... A, well, Doherty in the Wolves' defence generally... Um, like if you had Johnny or uh, Patricio, you also got like double-digit halls. So um, they're a lot of good assets to have at the moment. Is um, are you thinking of Trippier as a long-term thing, or is it just a short-term thing? Well, Mendy's out or injured or out of favour, whatever it is. Um, I mean, short-term to the extent I'll see out these easy fixtures. I think they then get difficult again. So we'll we'll play it by ear from there. But he's um, okay. I think he's returned from the World Cup a more confident player. So. He's now on free kick duties off Ericsson, so he's definitely got a lot of points potential. Yeah, he's definitely a man in form as well with assists. Um, I think next up would be Ben, but he's away this week. He's on 60 points. Matt on 65, Ben on 60, and then we've got Andy on 61. Andy, how was your game week? Um, 61 points. So it's it's gone all right. Um, as Matt said, the Wolves' defence is a, a good 
a good place to find assets right now. And uh, I went big on that a while ago, a few weeks ago. So I've got Patricio and Doherty in my team, uh, who I'm very pleased that I stuck with. Uh, so they got 10 and 12 respectively. I got 10 points for Hazard and I got 16 points for Aguero as captain. So they were sort of my uh, my score, my score where my points came from. Um, a couple of lowlights, though, were Lucas Mora and Richarlison. I uh, went against the advice of, of the poll that I wasn't on a couple of weeks ago and, and put Richarlison straight back in because I had Mkhitaryan sitting there doing nothing. So um, I brought Richarlison straight back in, but he hasn't really done anything yet. And Lucas Mora does seem to be a bit of a troll. He hasn't really kicked on after a couple of really strong games. So um, I'm, I'm looking at those as possible transfer outs in the near future. The good thing about this week for me is that I have uh, Rico, Fraser and Wilson still to play. So if the Bournemouth Palace game goes the way I hope it will, then I could end up with uh, with more than 70 this week, which would be a great score. Yeah. Any kind of areas that you're planning to work on in your team? Well, um, yes. I, uh, I don't know whether you want me to save this for a, a later section or whether you want to talk about it now, but I have a big decision to make in the next couple of weeks. Shall I go? Yeah, what's your well, you don't have to go into what you're going to do, but what is it? Um, so I have 4.1 million in the bank. And so I've been saving up for a while, which was the idea was that once Liverpool came out of their run of really difficult fixtures, I put Mo Salah in. But it seems that just as this is happening, um, Salah seems to be not really on great form, whereas Kane is just hitting form now and he's just come off the back of two goals. And he's got Cardiff next weekend, which I wouldn't want to miss if I'm going to pick Kane. So I've got to either take a four-point hit and uh, and put Kane in next week and probably to make sure that's worth it, triple captain him. Or I've got to hold on for a week, possibly miss Kane against Cardiff and hope Salah comes good after the run of uh, a difficult game. So um, I'm not sure what to do. It's going to involve transferring Alonso out probably for a Newcastle defender because they've got a lot of like really easy fixtures coming up um, and using that money to replace either Callum Wilson or Lucas Moura with one of Salah and Kane. I love how different you are in the way you play the game to, to me, Matt and Ben. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of completely different. We, we're transferring the same player almost every week at the moment. And you were just throwing in left field ideas, like getting rid of Alonso. Um, yeah, let's chat more about that in transfers. But it is it is very. It's going to be a good fun section, I think. Well, that is partly um, driven by the fact that um, I'm behind you, so I'm looking for differentials rather than looking to stay ahead. Yeah, and dropping Alonso is a big differential. Um, it's a big risk, but let's chat about that later. Um, I will. I'll be up next. I'm on 55 points for this game week. So far, like you, Andy, I've got three players still to play. So I've got Wilson, Fraser and Zaha still to play. Um, I also brought in Trippier. So that was a high point. Um, I was umming and ahhing. My initial plan was bring in Trippier for Mendy and then change Bennett, my 4.0 Wolves defender, into Doherty and then play them both um, and then probably Alonso with them and leave Alexander on the bench, Alexander Arnold on the bench, which was why I've kind of gotten there so I can drop him in and out. But I chickened out. I just thought that I'd be tying up too much of my budget in my defense and giving myself a lack of flexibility in other areas of my team. So um, slightly gutted, but maybe if, if I stick with it in the long term, then 
it'll pay off or I still have the option of, you know, getting Doherty in because he's still very, very cheap. Um, apart from that, same as same as Matt, I think. Hazard, Madison, Aguero captain, uh, Edison in goal has been a, a good move, consistent, clean sheets. Um, although he never really gets to the heights of um, some of those 4.5 or were 4.5 at the start of the season keepers where they can get all those save points and um, every now and then they get a penalty that they might save because they get lots of penalties um, against them rather than Man City who, you know, sometimes concede one goal uh, against a, a crap team, but that's normally it. So he's possibly an area that I'm thinking about of getting more budget. Patricio is very tempting. And then there's Fabianski, there's Joe Hart. There's lots of good options. Um, even Matt Ryan as well. If Brighton do start to get some results, you know, there's more save points there, I think, than Edison. So it, it, that's an area. I'm it, it shows how uh, boring we are compared to Andy, that uh, he's thinking about big sort of gambles. <laughs> and we're, we'd keep debating four and a half million pound goalkeepers, which one to stick with. <laughs> Well, you say that, but you are also miles ahead of me. So it's clearly working for you at the moment. It's true. Well, we'll see. The pleasure. I do have some more interesting ideas for for when we get to transfers than just changing Edison. It's a pleasure to be able to nitpick, Um, I guess. A pleasure to be able to nitpick with the teams. Um, Yeah, yeah. it is a pleasure to be able to nitpick, but I think sometimes you have to break those brave moves it's easy to sit on your hands a little bit um, but yeah we'll get to the transfer section later on um, first a couple of quick fire questions for you the first one is from Ben who couldn't make it this week he wants to know what you are going to do with a problem like Mo Salah Matt I'm coming to you first because you have Mo Salah and Andy doesn't so I have Mo Salah uh, he hasn't been scoring uh, and his values just dropped a little bit as well um I am thinking of sticking for the moment, uh, but he's definitely on the radar. Sticking at the moment is because if you look at the highlights uh, or watched it live, the game, he's still creating lots of chances. It's just it's not going in yet. So I don't feel he's like completely lost form. Um, it's just that he's not quite found his range uh, so far this season. But you've, I just get the feeling that if he scores one goal, he could score quite a few all of a sudden. Um, and I don't quite have a player to replace him with just yet. Although Sterling is starting to look more and more tempting. I think I think it's tied up for me. The Sterling thing is similar price. Well, you know, you save a bit of money actually. But you can move from Salah to Sterling and still have that premium midfielder kind of spot in your team. But it's all linked to Aguero. Aguero's minutes um, over the last three, I think, are pretty shocking. I think it's something like it's 53, 60, 65 minutes in the last three games. So he's having his minutes managed, managed quite a lot. So maybe the way into the Man City team as a more or less guaranteed starter and goal threat and captain some weeks is Sterling. And then up front, instead of Aguero, you go for Kane, potentially. Mm-hmm. I guess it's a form of e-fixtures type debate as well, isn't it? Because, I mean, Liverpool's uh, had a different... Man City Liverpool coming up, uh, so both them got uh, both Man City assets and Liverpool assets have difficult games. Uh, I think Man City have Spurs coming up as well, so it's not like they've got a clean run of games. Um, even if they are a very very good side, so could score against anyone. 
Um, so it's it's a difficult one about who you replace Salah with and making sure that those points that you can make up the points and you might might lose some a, a brace coming out of nowhere. Yeah, it's it's with City and Liverpool. They're both teams that I want I want to have an attacking player from each of them at least in my team who's kind of guaranteed or not guaranteed, especially with City, but is more likely to start because they're going to score so many goals this season. It's looking like they're going to be the top two this season and you want to have those attacking players in. So if you get rid of Salah, are you getting rid of your Liverpool options as well? Mm. Or are you putting in Firmino or are you, are you getting Mane? Um, where, are you, um, yeah. where are you erring on it at the moment, Dunk? Well, one of my plans is, well, one of the things I wanted to ask you, actually it kind of segues nice onto the next question, is, is it too late for the cane train? Do you like all the rhyming I've got going on? <laughs> so the plan last week for a lot of people, a lot of fantasy managers, um, I think it came up on the scout cast for Fantasy Football Scout and a few other places as well, was bringing Kane uh, for a cheap striker, so you have Kane and Aguero and then a cheap striker left over. You got rid of Salah in midfield and you brought in someone like Richarlison or a similar priced midfielder just for these two fixtures. So for Huddersfield away where you got a brace and then Cardiff at home. And I think the crucial one out of those two was Cardiff at home in game week eight coming up because that's when captaincy is a bit of an issue. He's at home to Cardiff. That's He's now on form. We know that. And apart from that, Liverpool are playing Man City and Chelsea and Hazard are away to Southampton, which is a good fixture, but it's not as good as Cardiff at home. So is it too late to move on on Kane and swap Salah out for Kane with those two transfers? What do you reckon, Andy? Um, No, I don't think it's too late. The question is, do you think Salah's going to come alive? Because he's got, um, after City, they've then got Huddersfield and Cardiff. So if uh, it, it's 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 not too late for Kane, I think he's going to get going now and have a have a have a a good season. If you look at the fixtures that um the the Spurs have coming up as well, they've got a couple of easy ones too. They've got Cardiff now, then West Ham, um, and they've got Man City, but they've got Wolves and Palace after that. So it's not like a, a it's not a bad run of fixtures. Um, and he's good enough to score against anybody, really, isn't he? Harry Kane. So. No, I don't think it's too late for the, the the cane train, as you put it. I think that um, you've got to kind of... I, I think very few people are going to have enough in the bank to have both Kane and Salah in their team. So I think the season as it goes forward may well be defined by which side people pick out of those two and, and which one ends up being better. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I think the, the thing with Kane, pe- what people were saying uh, before game week seven was that it was a short-term thing. You get rid of Salah, bring in Kane, just for the Huddersfield away and then Cardiff at home because then uh, Tottenham play Man City um, and they play West Ham away, which isn't a great fixture whilst Liverpool are playing uh, Huddersfield away. So I think it was just for those two game weeks and maybe taking a hit to get Salah back in after that. But my, my kind of thinking is at the moment... I think it might be too late to do that move, but if you're going to hold on to Kane and you think he's going to keep on scoring, then fine. And I think all tied up in that is Aguero. If he's still getting his minutes managed, he's still holding an injury or they're still keeping him for Champions League games or just 
his age that are keeping him fresh, then you want to have a premium striker who's playing 90 minutes every week and is going to get, isn't going to get hooked at 60 minutes. Well, that's another option I have that I didn't mention earlier is I could lose Aguero for Kane um, and spend a little bit of that money, which kind of throws off some of the rest of my team. Um, but I, losing Aguero is one that I've been stung by so many times before because he has these weeks where he just goes crazy and scores a hat-trick against somebody you least expect. It's quite possible that he'll just score a hat-trick against Liverpool next week. That could happen. And it's not even that. It's the home fixtures they've got in between the Liverpool away and Tottenham away and Man U at home. They have Burnley at home, Southampton at home. And then, you know, after that, they've got Bournemouth at home coming up. So those are the four goals for Aguero kind of weeks, aren't they? Potentially. Yeah, but he also um, has Man U away, which Man U at home rather, which isn't a very difficult match at the moment. And he and he loves scoring against Man U. Yeah. Okay, I think we should probably move on to the game week preview because we could talk all day about Kane and Salah. I think, but um, we'll definitely revisit that. I'm sure in the transfer section. Um, so, Andy, you're first with Brighton West Ham. Do you see any good kind of fancy assets here? Really, really interesting game. I think this one. Uh, so thank you for giving it to me. Um, West Ham have really turned a corner, haven't they? Um, they they look like they're gonna um, they're gonna be a bit a bit more of a formidable side going forward now. Um, if they were at home against Brighton, it would look like a really comfortable West Ham win. But Brighton are also very good at home. Glenn Murray's on great form. Um, so and West Ham are, are not great defensively. So I think this could be a, a a game where both teams score and not one for the defences. Um, Arnautovic, is, he, he made it back in time for this week and he obviously got on the score sheet. So I think he's one to look out for. Um, I think I probably see West Ham just about shading this one. Um, but the, the likes of Gross and, and Murray could still be assets worth holding this week. Um, on the West Ham side, I think he, it's hard to look further than Arnautovic, although um, Yarmolenko's put a few... Uh, well, he obviously didn't get credited with the own goal this week, but he's obviously getting into dangerous areas, um, is a goal threat, so he's possibly one to look for if, if you've got him in your team. But yeah, I think probably Murray and Arnautovic are the two I'd look out for this week out of that with a, a West Ham shading the victory. I think also with with Brighton away to City just gone in game week seven, I think Hewton did what he has done in matches previously last season. He, he thinks we're, we're probably not going to get anything out of this game. So he rested Murray. He played Lucardia. I think his thinking is he's a younger striker and also given the minutes, it doesn't matter if he doesn't play well, we're going to lose anyway. And save Murray, you know, 35 or something like that for the next game, the crucial game against West Ham at home. And, you know, taking off Knockhart, their player in form at the moment, 78 minutes, just a little bit, you know, making sure he doesn't get injured, saving him, I think. And I think, Potentially a bright spark for, for Brighton, seeing Esquerdo getting some minutes towards the end of the game. I think he's looked really, really kind of a good player when he got into form last season. Um, so if he can get back and start firing again, probably not yet, but maybe one to watch for the next few games. One of those erratic players, isn't he, Esquerdo, that sort of can have a, an amazing game and then go completely barren for the next five weeks. Um, but. I think West Ham, you could be right, is one that you might see the best of him because they're going to play, they're quite an open team the way they play, aren't they, West Ham? So um, there could be some counter attacking opportunities with a player of his pace could take advantage of. Knockout, likewise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll have to watch that one, I think. 
Um, next one up is is me, Burnley versus Huddersfield. I've been getting the pick of the fixtures, not out of any kind of evil plan for myself, but it's just the way that I think it's fallen. Believe me, if if you will. So I've got Burnley versus Huddersfield this week, just uh, for Matt's benefit after he moaned last week about his fixtures. <laughs> I did. I did try and do my homework. I was on a train um, whilst the the Cardiff Burnley game was on, but I was listening to I listened to parts of it on the radio as much as I could kind of stomach. That is going above um, and beyond, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so Burnley grinding out a two-one win. Good Munson. Was he your pick? Was he your your gut punt? last week Matt or who's he Ben's um, I think he was Ben's I, I went Pogba uh, but that then turned into oh. quite a controversial week for Pogba and Mourinho <laughs> yeah, just after I, change. he was maybe finding some form and settling in uh, not a, a well okay, timed so, comment so Ben picked it well with his cut punt he picked good Munson goal and an assist um, Burnley looked to be slight they look to be getting back to their old ways now this is a game that I think was kind of suited to them. Uh, rough and tumble, high balls into the box. Apparently, according to Kevin Kilburn, who I think is quite quite a good pundit on the radio, was saying that Cardiff had were edging it in the first half. Um, but it was classic, direct, long ball stuff, which I think Burnley are quite used to dealing with. And I think, you know, against Huddersfield, that's another good a good warm-up to this. So, although Huddersfield aren't just all about long ball, they do like to play some football. It is that kind of area of the Premier League down the bottom. And Burnley are at home. Huddersfield are really struggling at the moment, um, struggling for goals. Burnley are looking back to their form. So, I can see a clean sheet for Burnley for sure. Good Monson is a great pick um, around the 5 million mark. Striker-wise, I'd struggle to, to say who you'd go with with Burnley at the moment. They've got good fixtures, um, but Vidra's playing here. Vokes is scoring there. Um, you've still got Chris Wood getting minutes, and Ashley Barnes is around. So I think Goodmanson is the is the way into the Burnley attack as an enabler at five million. Um, is that correct? Is he five million, or am I am I has he been changed this season? Uh, five point nine. He has been changed this season, um, but still a good option. Um, still cheaper than a lot of the mid priced midfielders. Um, so yeah, he'd be my pick for this game, and for Huddersfield, I wouldn't be picking anyone. Um, yeah, here's an interesting question for you, Duncan: Is um, Tarkovsky's doubt for next week, and should that come to pass with Gibson also out injured? Burnley's defence may not be as strong as it normally is at Turf Moor. Is there not a chance that there's a, uh, a sneaky Huddersfield victory in there? I don't think so. I think Long, when he's come in. Um, Kevin Long, when he's come in for Burnley at centre-back last season, had a good run in the team. I think he came in as a 4.0 option for a while. And I, th- I think he did pretty well. Um, he's got a few minutes after Sean Dyche in the Premier League. So I I don't think it will be a, a huge miss. I know Tokoski is their best defender, but I think it's just slotting into Dyche's system, which is working again now. So I don't think that will make too much difference, especially since they're at home. Um, maybe away from home, but not at Turf Moor. Also, Huddersfield haven't scored from open play yet, so uh, <laughs> not the most attacking force. Yeah, get those Burnley defenders in. Um, if if Tukowski does turn out to be out for the long term, um, I know that Gibson, Gibson has a, a red arrow at the moment because he's got a hernia. 
Um, but he is expected to be back in contention. But Long at 4.3, if he gets a run in the team, that's a great price um, for a Burnley team looking back on form with good fixtures. Um, okay, next up is Matt. And I've picked a good one for you, Matt, this week. Crystal Palace Wolves. Yeah, this is like a fancy manager's special. Um, it's... Lots of people have got Juan Bissaka, Doherty, Patricio, um, like defenders on both sides. And some people have like Zaha as well. Um, and he, and him is where I think everyone will be pressing refresh on the uh, Crystal Palace Wolves latest updates to see who gets the assists and the goals or who's getting bonus points if it's staying nil-nil. Um, I'm not entirely sure what I'm hoping for from this fixture. I think a nil-nil would be great, but that's like the most depressing result to ch- cheer on. Uh, even, even if you are like a fantasy manager, um, like, fantasy football addict um i think both sides have started the season encouragingly i think wolves are probably slightly better but palace is solid um if if it's slightly over reliant on on zaha for for goals so um i think if if wolves get the first goal then i think palace will be in trouble um but if palace get the first goal then i think uh wolves still have the capacity to come back and maybe get a draw. So I think the, the odds are probably on a draw overall, though, because they're, they're fairly evenly matched given the starts they've made to the season. So I'd be going for, uh, for the clean sheets. You're going for a 1-1? Yeah. I think, I think it's difficult to say, because we're recording this before the Bournemouth-Crystal Palace match on Monday night this week, it's hard to know what um, Palace's form was like against Bournemouth, whether Zaha plays well again, because he's been a controversial player with his, you know, his injury coming back and then having a go at referees and about not sending people off and stuff like that. So it's difficult. He is crucial, I think, to their attack and getting goals. Yeah. Um, so I think that you have to watch that game before before we can know for sure whether to play those Wolves defenders. Yeah, definitely. For Zaha, did you see um, Troy Deeney's comments about uh, about keeping him quiet? No, I didn't. Um, he uh, in a, I think it was a post match interview this week. He um, he was talking about how uh, the the Watford team prepared to defend against Zaha, and uh, it, it, it was a pretty simple strategy of we're going to take it in turns to kick him as hard as we can. That was that was it. <laughs> so I think. Um, you, Duncan, mentioned earlier that his his comments about being kicked too often would probably be turned around on him and be, well, great, this is how you stop him as you kick him. That seems to be coming true, which could mean that he's a bit of an injury risk going forward. And not just an in- injury risk, but losing his head, because at the moment he does look like a player who's slightly lost his head, is worried about being injured and is having a go at referees and losing his temper. I know last season he looked fired up um, to the max whenever he scored a goal and really pumped but I, my concern is at the moment that his head's not fully focused in the game and he's getting distracted by things um, so yeah keep an eye on the on that game um, anything else to pick out from this from a fancy point of view Matt? Um, not really I mean I think Wolves are the team that seem to be on the rise at the moment so uh, this will be an interesting test of their, their assets going away from home to what most people think is another mid-table team um, sheet again and uh, yeah keep keep their running going 
Who have you got in your bus team at the moment? Is it Wan Bissaka or is it Doty? Um, it is. I, I've, I've been flipping a coin. Uh, I think maybe Doherty for his friends. Uh... That's the same for me. If if I had Doherty, he'd be ahead of Wan Bissaka. My problem at the moment is that I have Bennett for Wolves and Wan Bissaka for Crystal Palace. <laughs> Centre back versus fullback, so yeah, I'm stuck on that one. Yeah, um, it, it was just one we've got to watch for the Bournemouth game, I think. And um, Leicester Everton, Andy, what do you reckon? Um, this is going to be fun, I think. Leicester against Everton. Uh, neither team are particularly good defensively, I don't think, this season. Uh, both teams good going forward. I think this could be an interesting one for uh, for a, Everton. Have a lot of players that seem to be capable of getting on the score sheet now, apart from their centre forward. Um, they've got Gilfie, they've got um, Walcott, and they've got um, Richarlison. It will be interesting to see whether Tosson or Calvert-Lewin starts up front with uh, Calvert-Lewin having started, but then Tosson having scored this week. So maybe uh, if you're thinking about um, which Everton strikers to look at, maybe leave, I, I would leave that a week. Um, could be an interesting one for Vardy um, and Madison because, like I say, Everton aren't that good defensively. Um I really can't call this one whether it's going to be a Leicester or Everton win or a draw, but I just think there's going to be goals. So stay away from the defenders and pick the, uh, pick the attacking players, I'd say. Even with um, Slabhead, Harry Maguire getting a goal and an assist this week. Um, and, you know, with Pereira again playing in offensive midfield position for Leicester, I think Leicester have got some great options in defence, but well, they like can. You say, but when you're when you're looking at a, a game that's going to have goals in it, picking a defender because you think they're going to score is a sort of it feels like you're going against the odds by doing that. Um, and when um, I don't know, there's, there there are plenty of um, of Leicester players who are more likely, I think, to get on the sheet than than Harry Maguire will. I mean, he's yeah. over, over the course of a season. I think he's looking like a really really good asset right now because, like you say, he gets in the box, scores goals. He drives forward out of defence and sort of bundles his way through into assists as well. So um, he's definitely a good asset over the course of a season. But I'm, I wouldn't sort of shout him out this week in particular because I think it's kind of unpredictable when he's going to pop up in the box and score. Yeah. OK. Matt, what do you reckon? Leicester, uh, yeah, interesting sight. They've got some really good players. Like Maguire's just a really good player who, who might be quite worth having sometimes because you think he's going to get goals. He's already got two, I think, this season. And... Uh, match of the day highlights were showing that basically every corner he was causing havoc against Newcastle. Um, but at the same time, Newcastle seemed to create lots of chances and they're not a very good attacking side. So their defence is a bit shaky. So it's, it's very hard to predict Leicester, but uh, quite good having their players because they quite predictable who's going who's gonna to start. Gets a lot of the ball. Vardy always just gets goals. Maguire might get some goals and Pereira is a bit of an out of, out of position potential, but other than that, you wouldn't touch many of the other players. But that's fine. You know, you know where their points and their main threats come from. Yeah, I, I had a slight concern this week when um, when I saw the Everton team sheets um, towards the end of the game, Richardson being taken off for uh, Bernard on the left wing, just made me slightly concerned about whether they're going to bring Bernard into the first team and how they're going to fit those two players in at the same time, the two Brazilians, because I know we were talking about it last week and I think um, Silva was actually asked in a press conference this week by journalists whether Richarlison could play up front because 
and and his response, he didn't come with come up with that off the bat. But being asked, he said, "Well, you know, Bernard could play on the left. Richarlison could play up front. So maybe that is something he's thinking about once Bernard's up to speed. Because Bernard looked good when he came on. He got the assist. He looked like a quality player. And surely they won't have bought him just to sit on the bench. A player of that quality for Everton. He can play so, on the right so- as well, though, Bernard. Like I, he's uh, so he could be the Walcott." Uh, might miss out sometimes, especially with Walcott's injury record. Could be that he rotates over there as well. Yeah, I just can't see Richarlison missing out. So, uh, you know, £50 million, Bernard coming in. So maybe some concern, like you say, over Walcott um, and whoever's up front, whether it's Tosin or Calvert-Lewin. Okay, next up is Spurs-Cardiff. That's one for me. Um, yeah, this is an easy one. Obviously, Harry Kane is now the man in form, getting his brace. Uh, well done to the people who brought him in this week. Um, just gone. I think he's the obviously obvious captain pick against Cardiff. Um, but I think there are also other good options in the Spurs team in midfield. I think Son is looking like a good option. He's still shooting a lot, still being quite selfish, which is good. Andy mentioned Lucas Moura looking out of favour. And my concern with him is that he is maybe a bit like Mkhitaryan was last season uh, for Man United, started the season well. And he was one of those players that everyone jumped on and then he just kind of faded. And he was around that kind of same price. So um, especially with the competition that there will be in Spurs' midfield for this season, um, I think maybe he's someone to move on. Um, yeah, I think Son's a good shout. I think Trippier is a great shout. The problem with this fixture is that it comes straight after the Barcelona game um, in the Champions League this week. And it's actually a Wednesday fixture for Spurs are playing Barcelona and then a Saturday fixture against Cardiff. So tiredness might come into it and squad rotation. Um, my gut punt for this week is actually in this game but I'll come to that one later but yeah I think these guys are the whipping boys Cardiff this week against Spurs at home Um, only with the slight caveat of the tiredness from the Champions League would you guys agree they're the whipping boys Andy? Yeah I think it's pretty hard to look past you're always just looking at which out of Cardiff and Huddersfield has the hardest fixture this week aren't you so um, I'd say Spurs is harder than Burnley so Cardiff are the whipping boys Okay yeah, I think that's a pretty easy one to preview. Um, Watford-Bournemouth, Matt, another quite good game for you. Yeah, I mean, so definitely not an easy one to predict what's going to happen. Uh, both teams started the season pretty well. Uh, both teams seem to be going forward uh, really well. Uh, Bournemouth are playing tomorrow on Monday night, but um, seem to be... <laughs> get, well, they got blasted 4-0 uh, the p- previous week, having shown no no clues that that was, was about to happen and Watford have not they've actually tailed off just a little bit at run of games recently but I think they've been a little bit unlucky in some of those games maybe should have got more out of the Arsenal game for instance they seem to create a lot of chances but but didn't finish any of them um, so again I, I think the draw is probably the the, the odds on uh, prediction but it, I think there's definitely goals in this one and um Fraser, depending on how he does tomorrow night, seems to be uh, Bournemouth's star player at the moment. Um, and on the other side for Watford, Pereira's had a quiet couple of weeks, but he, he might come back into form again. Um, he's certainly a very talented, talented winger. And I don't think either team 
either both teams sort of go for it going forward. So I, I think uh, there's going to be goals in it. I really like the look of uh, Will Hughes 5.0 for Watford. He seems like he's certain to start playing in an offensive position and at 5 million. I just think if you've got that price point in your team and you've got the money to spend on that fifth midfielder, I think he looks really good um, as a season keeper in a, in a team that's playing well. Um, but yeah, I think this, this week is a really interesting one for fixtures. You've got Palace Wolves quite e- evenly matched, Leicester Everton quite evenly matched and Watford Bournemouth quite evenly matched. Mm. Um, quite hard to call. So yeah, maybe a lot of draws um, this week, a, a lot of goal scoring draws. I think it's teams of slightly template type players uh, could get divided sorry what did you say see players uh, fantasy teams that have a lot of the template players like Fraser and and, and co uh, this could be the week that sort of splits different teams in their super leagues apart because all these evenly priced uh, so even even matches you've got to you've got to gamble on who you who you're going to pick in that team and it's not an easy one yeah definitely yeah the Palace defence or Wolves defence, Bournemouth attack or, or Watford attack. Yeah, good shout. Um, next up is a one for Andy, Man United, Newcastle. Oh, this is enjoyable. What do you reckon, Andy? They're possibly two of the most depressed teams in the league right now, aren't they? Um, I think that Newcastle, although there seems to be a lot of doom and gloom surrounding them at the moment, they still have a very similar approach and ability level to what they had last season, in my opinion. And I think the reason they seem to be doing so badly is their awful run of fixtures that's, that, that's come into this point. Imagine Benitez showing up at a completely disjointed, falling apart Mourinho's Man United. It's going to be so easy for him to fire up his players for that team. And he's going to be so fired up for it as well against his nemesis. Um, I think Newcastle are going to put in a really good performance here. My, I think it might be a nil-nil this one. Um, no goals at all. So defenders on both sides could be good assets to have. But for the, the most interesting thing about this, I think, is going to be Newcastle. This is like the turning point where their fixtures start to get really easy. And so um, it'll be very interesting to watch them in this game. If I'm wrong and Benitez can't fire his players up for this, for this game, I think that's a sign that actually they really are a club in crisis. But they could use this as the motivation to go on a really good run into their set of easier fixtures. And so um, the next five or six weeks could be really, really good weeks for Newcastle assets. Yeah, it's, it's no better time than now to be playing against Man United. Um, what do you reckon, Matt? Um, I think Man United at the moment, if we score first, then we seem to be OK. If we don't score first, then we have no answer and no way to get back into a game, uh, regardless of the level of opposition. So, um First goal wins this match, um, if there's a goal at all, because I can imagine Newcastle being quite content to park the bus. Um, so it might be a case of can Lukaku or across, which is awfully depressing as a Man U fan to say, that's what you're hoping for to happen at home. The other really interesting thing about Man U right now is that next week he's got Benitez followed by Chelsea. And it would be so like representative of Mourinho's reign at United if it ended with a loss to Benitez followed by a loss to Chelsea. Yeah. I I think that's you guys hoping. I think Matt's called this well. I think first goal in this game is crucial because there's probably not going to be too many for either team. Um, if it's Man United, I, they could 
you know, roll out winners. I think they first goal, Newcastle just can't score goals. There couldn't be a, a better fixture, surely, for for Man United to play at home against the team who can't score goals. Um, I don't agree with you. Though. I don't. I don't think it's true that Newcastle can't score goals. I think they've had an extremely difficult run of fixtures. They have Hozelu up front, who is awful, but they actually have a few players who, who particularly um, in the kind of crunch games last season, did pull it out of the back. They've got Kennedy. They've got Richie. Uh, they've got Shelby. Like, these are players who who can create goals. Um, and they've got, you know, Iosi Perez. He's not like a great goal scorer, but he does pop in with one every now and again. Um, I think they've they've been they're underrated this season because of the fixtures they've had, in my opinion. They didn't score against Cardiff away. Um, that's a big that's a big signifier for me. But I know that was early in the season, and I will bow to you guys' better knowledge of Man United. Um, the other thing I'd sort of say on the Man U uh, fact at the moment is much news and changeability coming out of them. I got burnt last week for predicting uh, Pogba might have a have a naissance and three days of constant uh, bickering and chatter later, that looked like a nonsense prediction. Uh, for we know, Mourinho could be gone by next weekend uh, if Champions League goes yeah. badly. It's, uh, it's quite a turbulent time for United, so it's one to basically make a prediction on maybe Saturday morning rather than on a Sunday night. Here's one for you. Maybe uh, Paul Pogba at centre-back next week. <laughs> he does like to play a new player at centre-back each week, doesn't he? Herrera, McTominay, next week. Yeah, Pogba, good shout. Um, yeah, watch the news for this one, basically. Enjoy the news before the fixture and then pick pick your players accordingly. Um, Fulham-Arsenal next. This is one for me. Um, I haven't been doing so well predicting Arsenal recently. I think Matt's been much more accurate I think maybe I'm too wrapped up in it as a fan. Matt said last week um, that I was being a bit too harsh on Arsenal and Arsenal at home against smaller teams actually do quite well. And that was the case. I know it wasn't till later on in the game that they got the goal. It was a, an own goal to start. But I think Arsenal are starting to show the kind of flat track bully form in a period of good fixtures that we were expecting. And I think... Fulham might fall foul of this as well. It's a London derby and I think Fulham will be up for it, but I think they've looked really shaky at the back. Arsenal have had a nice run of fixtures to get into their groove um, and Lacazette is looking good. Um, Iwobi's looking quite good coming on, getting involved. I um, I went to the Arsenal-Brentford game in the Carabao Cup this week and yeah, I mean... Although it's not a first team, there's not a lot of things you can say. <laughs> Arsenal against a team who are lower down in the championship, who can play football and like to play football properly, did completely get, um, they just completely lost control of the game in the second half. And, and Brentford were in charge. Although Arsenal had the run of the, the first half, Brentford were, you know, bossing the second half. So I can see Fulham. Bossing, bossing the play for certain parts of the game and causing Arsenal a lot of problems. But I just think Arsenal's quality up front and Fulham's problems at the back will will tell in this game. So maybe a 2-1 to Arsenal, something like that. Maybe a 3-1 with a undeserved goal at the end as Fulham push. Matt, I'm going to come to you on this one because you've been good at... Uh, do you think I'm close to the mark now or am I still too close to it? I think you're too much of a fan. I think you're getting overconfident now you've had some good run. 
I think Arsenal, if they're facing Fulham at home, I think definitely would sweep them up because they know the ground and they just seem to win at home. Um, I think Fulham were unlucky against Everton not to take the lead. They had some very um, open, well, open chances that he really should have buried one of them. Um, I think that they will score goals. Uh, someone like Mitrovic is particularly suited to scoring against an Arsenal defence. Um, and I agree that their defence is appalling and uh, Arsenal will probably score as well. But it just seems the sort of game that I can picture Arsenal suddenly thinking they've cracked it and uh, this being the one that brings them back down to earth. Oh, every week, Matt. <laughs> You're going to get Arsenal next week to start <laughs> after this session. I'm just doing um, it to, to... Have you predict, I think. It seems to, it seems to work. Yeah, it's working. <laughs> Okay, well, what do you reckon to Southampton Chelsea then? Any good fancy assets for this one, apart from Eden Hazard, of course? Uh, easiest game after the Spurs one to predict the result. Um, I think Chelsea very near the top of the league, playing good football. Southampton are uh, near the bottom of the league and don't seem to have a very organised defence and goals. Uh, so that's a recipe for a Chelsea uh, comfortable win, even though they're playing away from home. Um, and as for assets, I mean, Hazard is, seems to be the one that they have, they treat as a go-to player that they just try and build, build their team, team shape around. Um, uh, and then Alonso. Uh, so I wouldn't be rushing to transfer him out, um, but um, unless you're paying for someone like Kane to come in. Yeah, anyone from Southampton that you're you're keen on at the moment or think has potential at the moment? Danny Ings is a good, cheap striker who I think will keep scoring, but at 5.5 million striker, um, I think he'll score enough points to justify a 5.5 million price tag, but but no more. Um, so so no, not not really beyond that. Okay. Um, I think that's, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's a pretty open, closed one. Um, I think Chelsea, potentially, you know, someone to think about is Giroud, who I know he's, he hasn't fired in the last game, but is looks to be having that forward spot nailed down. I think he's someone to think about before his value starts to rise and his um, as more goals and assists come. But yeah, apart from that, I think I completely agree. Um, Andy, what do you reckon to Liverpool Man City? Well, it's another really evenly matched game, isn't it? That uh, it's going to be another one that sort of divides people who have very similar teams here. Um, I uh, I think Liverpool are going to win this. They're at home and they have a, a strong recent history against Man City. I think that Man City, even though they have looked very strong this season, they aren't as strong without Kevin De Bruyne and they still don't have him. So um, I think Liverpool are going to win it, but it's going to be a very close and tough game. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Mo Salah in this game because this could be the moment where he comes out of his funk and um, and turns it on, or it, 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 he could not, and then I could be completely wrong about this. Um, I have a hunch that Naby Keita will start this game because I think that he came on and looked very impressive this week and um, seemed to be the thing that they were missing in midfield to sort of join the midfield to the attack. So um, I have a hunch he's going to start this one and maybe have a really, really good game. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, classic Liverpool assets of Alexander-Arnold and Robertson, you wouldn't normally pick defenders against Man City, but they seem to be supplying most of their assists this season. 
So um, could be one to take a risk on those if you've got like a a few defenders who you're not sure who to pick between. If you've got like a I don't know a Wan Bissaka who you're not sure where to pick him or a um, a Holabas so you're not really sure where to pick him against Bournemouth, like maybe you might want to um, take the punt on on your Liverpool defenders. I think um, really interesting game though, another really really evenly matched one. Um, another player I look out for, and this is is Leroy Sané because. Um, I got I got burnt with him at the start of the season. The the reason I'm behind you guys is I spent all of my money at the start of the season on Bamiyang and Sane, both of whom were complete duds when I had them in the team. But Sane seems to be really hitting form now, so he could be one to look out for in this game as well. He um he scored last season in this fixture, um which which was a great game. I hope for another game like that. Liverpool won four three in the end, but Sane scored for City. I, I personally I see another similar kind of scoreline high-scoring game, two teams who just love to attack and will try and win the game. Um, yeah, so I would say, personally, I haven't been burned this week by the Liverpool-Chelsea game and playing Alonso and Alexander-Arnold. I'm looking for excuses not to play my City defenders and my Liverpool defenders. I'm looking for other options to play because... I think there are going to be goals and I think it might be quite a high scoring game. Um, and yeah, I think I, I'm not willing to gamble that one of my players might get an assist here. Um, I don't know if it's going to be enough. What do you reckon, Matt? I think prove that Klopp's Gagan press just works. Sorry. Sorry. I missed that. What did you say? I think last season just proves that Klopp's Gagan press sort of breaks down Man City really, really effectively. Um, their style of play is perfectly suited for dismantling Man City's um, uh, build-up play. And so I think uh, jumping in on the, the strikers for Liverpool, uh, who will do counter-attack breaks, is the, is the way to go. So Salah, Firmino and uh, Mane, um, I think one or two of them will, will, will get something and uh, Liverpool will come out on top, is my, my prediction. I think also adding to that is... Not a huge amount has changed about City since those games. They brought in Mares and Mendy is back was back from injury, but potentially not anymore. Liverpool have brought in Virgil Van Dijk and have shored up their their defence. So yeah, I mean, I would say goals, but I I would go that for a Liverpool win. Yeah. So sounds like we're all in agreement, Andy. Yeah, yeah. I think the, I think it's it's all going to hinge on whether players like Salah finish their chances this week, which he didn't last week. But if he uh, puts them in this week, then definitely Liverpool win. Okay, um, whipping boys. We've already mentioned Cardiff are our whipping boys against Spurs, um, and then second favourites for that would be Southampton against Chelsea. And um, what about gut punts, Matt? Who's your gut punt for game week eight? Um, I think uh, Nautovic is founding some form um, and Brighton, I haven't been too impressed with following Matty Ryan uh, so far and, and West Ham seem to be finding some form. So he's my uh, gut punt to, to pull it out the bag again. Yeah, I completely agree. I love, love Arnie. Um, I just can't wait to get him back in my team. So good shout. What about you, Andy? Yeah, I, uh, that was my gut punt as well. So I'm going to have to go with somebody else now, aren't I? Um, I'm going to go with... Should I, um, should I give you time to think? Because I've got, I've got one ready. All right, go for it. Um, so my, my gut punt for this week would be based on 
Uh, Spurs playing on Wednesday in the Champions League. Already quite a tired team, I think. We've noticed with Spurs, a lot of injuries, a lot of um, hangover from the World Cup. And then Sat- they're playing Barcelona on Wednesday. And then on Saturday, they've got a three o'clock kickoff. Um, so I think there'll be rotation. And I think the man pushing for a start uh, is Eric Lamella. He's looked great every time he's come on. I think I mentioned that last week. Lots of goals, attacking returns in almost all of his games. So Lamella would be my gut punt for this week against uh, Cardiff. Okay, Andy, is that enough time? Yeah, I've, I've got two that I'm trying to choose between. Um, one of them is a bit less gut punty than the other one. So, uh, Gilfie Sigerson's the first one who scored twice this week and uh, missed a penalty. If he stays on penalties, um, I think he's one that could get in, get in on what could be a goal fest in the Leicester against Everton game. But the uh, the more punty one is maybe Aaron Ramsey to score against Fulham. I feel like uh, Ramsey has. He's one of the players that Emery rates very highly and Fulham's defence is very poor. Um, Ramsey's main skill seems to be arriving late in the box and finishing chances. He hasn't finished a lot of them this season, but maybe Aaron Ramsey this week. Yeah, I think I think he got substituted quite early in the game against Watford. I just checked that. He got subbed on 63 minutes. So that was before we scored. Um so I think that's definitely very gut punty for a man who got hooked so early. Um, so yeah, good shout. Also, I'd say if Sigurdsson's off penalties, then uh, then maybe someone like Cenk Tosin would be on pens and has just come into form. No, he'll. Uh, I think it's better to to select players that will score the penalties. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> just okay, clean sheets. <laughs> Sorry about that. Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jack Tyson, don't forget. Okay. Um, clean sheets. Uh, I'm going to start this week and I'm going to go for Spurs with a clean sheet. Then it's Matt. Matt's up next for clean sheets. Um, I think you go for Burnley. This is going to be a really tough one based on all our previews of the equal games, isn't it? Andy, can you find any more? So yeah, got... Chelsea. We'll keep one against Southampton, I think. Okay. Chelsea, so we've got Spurs, Burnley, Chelsea, and then the, the other one to, is it, well, tentatively, is it Man U, uh, Newcastle away, scoring many goals? I completely agree. That's that's why I was saying in a, in our preview. So I, I'll go for Man U. Matt, right. what's your um, beyond that? I I don't know where I predict a clean sheet coming from. Um, there might be some in some of those even games, but um, the yeah, there's not an obvious candidate after that. I'd say I'd say depending on how Zaha does against Bournemouth, Wolves are a potential for a clean sheet against Palace away. I think Wolves have looked really tight recently, and uh, Palace without a, an informed Zaha would be. I think they might struggle. The opposite is also true. You know, Palace defend pretty well, and um... Wolves are interesting because although they are doing all right generally on the goal front, they haven't got like a consistent goal scorer. I think their their top scorer might be Moutinho with two. Um, they spread the goals around quite a lot, so it's, it's looked okay. But I know I'm not sure whether that's going to keep up. I think they need somebody to to come through and score a few more than they have done so far. So it could be that either Palace or Wolves could be a good shout for a clean sheet. But it's interesting that neither of you 
you talked about Man U against Newcastle. You didn't talk about Newcastle against Man U. I think that, <laughs> I think that could be. If we think that's going to be a nil-nil, which I do, then you've got two clean sheets there. Okay. Um, yeah. If it's going to be a nil-nil, then that's probably the game. Okay. Um, what about captains and transfers, Andy? Let's go into your transfer dilemma. Yeah. Well, look, I'd, um, I've got. I'd love to hear. I've got, I've got to lay that already. I'd love to hear what you guys think about my 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 Kane or Salah when to make the transfer. And the other option, of course, is to play my um, free hit to sort of postpone it for a week. Um, okay, so just give us a brief recap on. So um, I've got 4.1 million in the bank. I'm planning to lose Alonso because I think that he um, hasn't kept up his goal scoring form of the early season. And so I plan to make a, uh, bring in a cheaper defender for Alonso, maybe a Newcastle defender to take advantage of their easy run of fixtures. And then to use that money to either lose Mora and bring in Salah or to lose um, Callum Wilson and bring in Harry Kane. Um, if I want to do the Harry Kane transfer, I should do it this week and take a four-point hit because then I get to get him playing against Cardiff. If I want Salah, I should wait a week and not take the four-point hit because I'd rather wait until after the City game to bring in Salah. Therein lies my dilemma. If I want to go for Salah, I could play my free hit this week to get both Kane against Cardiff and then also get Salah in for the Huddersfield and Cardiff games. Um, So what do you think I should do? I think out of Salah and Kane, the man to bring in at the moment is Kane. Um, my only concern is that you. I would suggest that you have a Liverpool option for their easier fixtures after Man City. So my suggestion would be that you bring in Kane for Wilson and then Lacazette leaves your team for Firmino. Um, once Liverpool's good fixtures come back in and you nail your colours to the mast and you say, Salah's not having a good start to the season. I'm going Kane, but I've still got Liverpool coverage in Firmino. What do you reckon, Matt? Um, I think the, the talk of using chips, like a triple captain or a free hit, is a uh, very punty and uh, I think that that's a bit of a, bit of a gamble early doors in a single game week game. Um, but bringing in Kane for a four-point hit against Cardiff seems a very sensible transfer to make. Uh, if you make him captain, you'll probably make those points back over that game week and the next one. Um, and I can sort of see the point on Liverpool. Uh, maybe after that Liverpool game uh, against Man City, they've got an easy run coming up. Huddersfield are in their fixtures coming up. So... Uh, that's where you want to look at your other major players like Aguero and Hazard and wonder if you want to trade for a Mane or a Salah at that point. There is another way around this, of course, which is I could lose Aguero for Kane this week and then take a four-point hit to get Aguero back in after the Liverpool game um, and end up still with... Because what I really wanted was to end up with... Uh, Hazard, Aguero, Lacazette, Kane, and Salah in my team. No, or Salah. Kane or Salah in my team. Okay, that's that's my sort of objective here. Because I, I think Lacazette's a great pick, and I, uh, I'm, I'm nailing my colours to the last with him, especially since Duncan doesn't think so. So, um, 
that, that's really where I'm trying to go. I don't really want to lose Lacazette. I think he's a better pick than Firmino, really, because he's, he's the main striker for Arsenal, and I think they're going to score a lot of goals. Um, whereas Firmino, although he's the centre forward, he's a bit of an odd centre forward that is the main point of him isn't to score goals. Mm. I think there's four four really big hitters um, with Hazard, Salah, Aguero, and Kane. You can't have all of them, um, so you've just got to got to pick which ones. Maybe two, possibly three, but you'd have to take some sacrifices across the rest of your squad to p- pack three in at the moment. Oh, so that's nonsense. Uh, you can get maybe yeah, getting four in is very difficult, but um, yeah, uh, but three is just about possible at the moment. Um, and then Lacazette's like quite a nice alternative. Yeah, I can see that. The um, the issue I think you might have, or maybe it's not an issue. I think it's the way that a lot of teams are going after Mendy when out injured is that you would be moving to a cheap defence, a fully cheap defence. You'd have no premium defenders whatsoever above five million if you got rid of Alonso as part of that hit. Yep, that's correct. I'd be looking at um, probably Yedlin, Doherty, Wambasaka, Rico and Alexander-Arnold would be my defence. Um, but between those, if you're only going to play three of them every week, you can probably find a set of fixtures that are kind enough that you'd, you'd expect at least two of them to stand a chance of keeping a clean sheet. I'm also very pleased with my goalkeeping choices between Patricia and uh, Dubravka because they're it's a long time before they both face a difficult fixture in the same week. Um, and they're both like shot-stopping and also clean-sheet-keeping goalkeepers. So, um, and they're both very cheap too. So I, I'm, I'm quite confident in the decision to, to not have any premium defenders. I think there are so many good attacking teams in the league this season that that's, that's a, a decent strategy. Um, so, yeah, I think I might do the last thing and, uh, and lose Aguero this week and bring him back next week for the four-point four hit. Okay. Um, who would you be bringing in for Alonso as part of that four-point hit? Or is that uh, that's not... That's the case straight Came straight in, and then next week you'd bring in Yedlin for Alonso. Exactly. Um, and that way I get to keep Alonso for the fixture against Southampton, which would obviously be an improvement. Okay. What about you, Matt? What are you thinking transfers this week? Um, so, uh, I'm still bugged by... The goalkeeper situation is still really bugging me, but it's just the sort of transfer that you never get round to doing because it's just so boring. Um, so... That's one I'll probably angst about for half the week. Uh, and then I have the money to go straight swap uh, Aguero to Kane, and I'll probably do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Agonising over the goalkeeper transfer. When you know all along, you're just going to make the transfer to Kane. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Realistically, I, I mean, I, what, I'll, what I'll try and do, I'll have to see how the price rises go, uh, but I don't want to do uh, do a Duncan and uh, transfer Kane in too early in the week. Well, that's the issue, because he's, he's, he's looking like he's going to go up this week. Yeah, I know, I know. So this is the... So the temptation to do a Duncan um, and have it come off is, is strong, surely. So I'm going to be looking at FBL statistics and pressing refresh every few hours, I think, this week uh, before. I think... It... No, it's going to be too late. He's on 97.9 going up quickly. And the Champions League game isn't to Wednesday. So I don't think there's a chance he won't go up to 1.5 before then. It's difficult. It's difficult. I mean, yeah, I don't like... I like to wait to the last second, uh, even though I know it hits the price rises, uh, just because you have that assurance that you... Especially you've got a player playing the Champions League where he's going to give his all. um, 
there's the, that risk of injuries and to sub out Aguero is such a risk anyway. Uh, I'd love to wait, but I'll, I'll, I have 0.1 uh, leeway, so I could wait still, but it's, uh, it's one I have to watch closely. Okay. Um, in terms of transfers for me this week, um, my current plan is to, surprise, surprise, Matt, get rid of Aguero, bring in Harry Kane. Oh, really? <laughs> Just listening to me. Is that what it is again? <laughs> I'll show you the screenshots that I've taken on my phone before the podcast. They've got the times on them. Um, yeah, so Kane out for Aguero. Um, I can't do that with money in my bank. I do have two, two free transfers. So the enabler would be Edison out um, and then a cheaper keeper coming in. Um, and then... What, Matty Ryan, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to get rid of him, there's no point. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking about Patricio, looking at Joe Hart, I like the look of Fabianski's fixtures and he, West Ham seem to be getting some form and some structure together now. Um, yeah, there's lots of options. I can even go for a, a 5.0 keeper. You know, Czech's just gone down with his hamstring and Le- Leno's come in. I thought Leno looked good in the Carabao Cup against Brentford. Um, yeah, that Dubravko, who Andy has as his second keeper at the moment or his rotation keeper at least, has some stonking fixtures coming up. Um, so he's quite tempting as a way into the Newcastle defence as a sure starter. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure which one of them to go for, um, but that that's my two transfers I'm thinking about at the moment. Whether I stick with Kane after that, um, I'm not sure, but I just I don't like at the moment having Aguero and him playing 60 minutes against all these teams for the price that he's at and Kane coming into form. So I think I prefer to think about Salah going out for Sterling and Sterling being my way into the Man City attack if Salah's form continues to be um, hit and miss. Um, but yeah, that's my thinking at the moment. Um, what about captains? Andy, who's your captain going to be? Well, I've just uh, transferred in Harry Kane, so it's going to be him. You've just done that now? I've just done it now, yeah, that's right. So you've done a Duncan? <laughs> I've done a Duncan. <laughs> oh, I hope he gets injured on Wednesday. <laughs> you should be proud. You should want, you should want Duncan's to, to pay off, surely. Yeah, no, I, well, I want Duncan's to pay off, and then a Duncan will be a positive thing, or at least we'll have two examples of one negative, one positive. Um, Matt, I'm guessing Kane is going to be your transfer unless you're going to captain your new goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's Kane or Matty Ryan, I think. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, if, if, if I don't do the Kane transfer for whatever because he yeah, he gets injured or uh, uh, leaving on Aguero, I'm like, you say the minutes are going down, but he's still scoring every single. So it's not a transfer. Transferring out is not something I feel entirely comfortable with. Um, so if I did uh, not do the Kane transfer, I'd, I'd go, probably go Hazard captain away at Southampton. Yeah, I think I'm completely the same. I think Kane, Captain C and Hazard, if I get cold feet or if he gets injured. Um, nice one. I think Ben has been on it again with the Twitter. If you don't follow us already on Twitter, have a look um, at FPL FF Fanatics or search for Fantasy Football Fanatics on Twitter. Um, yeah, we've been getting some mentions this week. 
I've been loving it. Ben's been doing some great work and we were recommended on Twitter as one of the fantasy football podcasts to listen to. One of the 25. One of the 25. (laughs) (laughs) So have a look and give us a a follow and get in touch with us if you want to kind of have an addition to the show. Um, Guys, I've enjoyed this one and I'm looking forward to it. Although... After next week, we've got an international break, so hopefully we can get all of us together next week. Uh, or actually, no, after the international break. That would be better, wouldn't it? Because then we're looking forward at a game week rather than looking back at a um, uh, one that's finished. Yeah, so I will speak to you in a couple of weeks' time. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Nice one. All the best. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye.